0: Welcome to Notes on Vulnerability, a podcast designed to put stories of resilience, courage and being human at the heart of the conversation. This is the Tools for Resilience series, wellness and mental health chats focused on helping you grow and feel good about who you are. We'll be exploring ideas and practical tools designed to help you get comfortable with the vulnerability inherent in being human and the benefits of embracing it and we'll reveal ways that working with this vulnerability builds resilience so that you can deepen your resources, adapt more, bounce back better, and go on to thrive. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button for the extra bonus content. In this episode of Notes on Vulnerability, we're going to be looking at the power of trust. That might be understanding how to trust yourself again when you've tried and failed, learning how to trust internal guidance as opposed to being reliant on external factors, or what I think is often the biggest challenge of all, being able to trust the timing of your life and then it will all work out one way or another. There's probably no more vulnerable feeling than stepping into an unknown with only a sense of trust. But being resilient requires being up for a leap of faith or two and how we feel about trust can have a big impact on that. My guest for this episode is Corrine Griffiths, an accredited mindfulness teacher who offers mindfulness courses that help people better focus their minds in the present avoid distractions and overcome the many stresses and barriers which can serve to disrupt our peace, happiness and productivity. Her work is all about strengthening that connection we have with ourselves, which is the basis of trust, internal or external. So Kareen, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So if you feel comfortable talking about it, could you start by telling me a bit about how you came to mindfulness?
1: Yeah, um, I started my mindfulness journey, I call it, probably about five, six years ago. Um, before that, you know, working in sort of, I say, freelancer, corporate environments, all that kind of stuff, which I still do to today, but much differently than I did before. And um, I went through some periods of grief, you know, and when I talk about grief, like significant loss, I lost uh, five family members within 18 months. And um, that had a uh, significant impact on me I would say in terms of um feeling quite numb with everything the grief the overwhelm from the grief and uh I went to therapy at that time and then it was suggested about mindfulness which is when I started to embark on that journey and then from there I noticed that um you know not immediately like okay I'm doing mindfulness now and that's it it's a magic um thing to help you through grief but I just noticed how much it helps me understand being present and the fact that we don't have control of what's in front of us and trying to control your emotions all the time because you don't want to feel them so it helped me over that time with the, the therapy at that point to to start to feel what your emotions is in a difficult situation and actually it stayed with me especially when the pandemic arrived um noticing how much the pandemic didn't have the same effect maybe that it did with other people um I had sort of this um i've been able to use and connect to myself my breath my body my emotions and process what's happening um and that really then led me to just want to continue this and notice how it started to seep into all of all of my life not just in times of difficulty and so now it's just with me it's just part of who i am it's not something separate it's not something that i do over there and then get back on the on the treadmill it's something that just is with me the engine inside
0: it sounds like a massively powerful shift. Um, yeah, but not all quite. It's
1: very subtle. So I, I found that, the, you know, my husband does call it a transformation. <laughs> um, he said it's because it, it's been quite subtle. The things that I used to get Annoyed about or upset about or frustrated about or lose my top about, I don't, I still get frustrated, but that's the way that I feel that frustration that's different. Uh, I'm able to sort of process things better, focus on what's important, let go of things, but not let go of things in a detached way, which I think mindfulness can allude to that. Like, oh, you know, just let it go and it doesn't really matter where it's actually you're letting it go, but noticing and what action you want to take from that. So yeah, it's definitely um, transform. I say transformed who I am inside, but subtle maybe to, it's just made me brighter.
0: Should we, should we do some now so we can give people a sense of what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Um, I think if we just do a really short focus, and I, I say focus breathing exercise, I normally ask people just to focus on some things, then it helps anchor them. So yeah, should we do that, Alex? <laughs> Let's I'll get you to do I'll get you to do it as well. So um yeah, so let's just take a few moments being here. Um it's just me and you and whoever's listening. We're just gonna take a few moments just to anchor ourselves. I call it putting that anchor into where we're sitting. And whether you're lying down, feeling your back against the chair, or if you're lying down on the floor, feet on the floor, and just feeling that and just noticing where you are we're just going to focus where we are right now sitting in gratitude and what i'm actually going to ask you to do to make sure that we have a safe practice here is to just choose an item that's next to you so i'm actually not going to do with your eyes closed i'm just going to ask you to choose an item for this focus exercise and breathing exercise just just choose something that's around you it could be a pen could be a, you know, a paper clip, whatever it is, just something that you can just focus on for the moment. And I just want you to take hold that item in your hands and just take a few breaths in and out. Just in and out. And no particular way. Again, we want to make sure we keep people safe and just feel what's comfortable for you. Let's just explore what you have in front of you. Just look at it. I have a pen and I'm just exploring this pen. Just take a few moments to notice any scuffs, any scratches. What colour the item is in front of you. And again, just take a moment to just breathe in and out. Let your shoulders drop. Of that item, you may notice that your mind wanders off, just bring it back to where you are right now. In a compassionate way, your mind may wander, just see it as clouds, just bring it back to where you are right now. Just explore this item like it's the first time you've seen it. Colour, the shapes, the size, is it reflecting off anything? my pen's reflecting at the moment. I can see it against the window. Maybe just put the item in between your hands if you can and just feel the temperature. Just close your eyes and explore the item. What parts of it feel sharp, soft? Again, you can just either close your eyes or lower your gaze, whatever feels comfortable for you. I mean, how many times have you picked up this item in your life? And Is there anything on there? that you've never noticed before as you explore the item. Again, we're just going to feel the temperature, open our eyes. And just hold it up to the light if you have that. Just look around it. Really look at that item. Again, just breathing in and out. You're just bringing yourself to Just you, me and my pen at the moment. And it's not about what you're going to do with the item. You're just looking at it for what it is. And I'm going to ask you, Alex, is there anything on this item that you explored that you've never seen before?
0: Well, I picked up my phone. I'm not sure if that was a good idea, but I've noticed that the side of the case has got quite a large dent in it, which I hadn't noticed. So... Oh, and also that the, the flash at the back is, is sort of pearlescent. It's quite reflective. It's quite, I've never mm. noticed that before either.
1: Yeah. No, thank you. And thanks for sharing that because one of the key things when I talk about mindfulness and just getting people to focus is that it can be really hard just to go straight into a breathing mm. exercise. If you've never done mindfulness or meditation before, you sit there and you, feel, you may feel uncomfortable If you suffer from anxiety that can be a bit of a challenge so a focus exercise is giving you something to just anchor on and use your senses your eyes you know sometimes you can listen to whatever that item is and you're using the tips of your fingers and feeling what it feels like but it's also a really great exercise to help you understand what a beginner's mind is as well which is like seeing something familiar for the first time yeah like how many times have you picked up the phone? How many times have I picked up this pen? How many times have we gone into situations where you feel like it's the same? But actually, if you just take a moment to stop and to pause, as if you're looking at it the first time, things come to light, it's that curiosity. And that's just a really great way of being able to think about when we talk about mindfulness, improving your intention and your focus, how the breathing, when you start to practice that breathing and noticing how it feels to be still, and out of that autopilot you can start to notice things you've never noticed before so that's a very small little taster of um a focus exercise for you Alex
0: <laughs> I really like that I think that's a great way to start as well yeah so as this session not a session is it as this episode yeah <laughs> okay. you felt like you was in a session <laughs> then didn't you <laughs> no getting got your writing. writing I know um as this episode is all about trust, let's start by talking about what does trust mean to you?
1: I think um, me definitely now, trust means about being able to trust my, my decisions, trust my intuition and not rely on, always relying on what the world is telling me to do and living by just what the world dictates the rules, the regulations, all of these things. So trusting to me is about trusting myself, trusting my intuition, trusting that vulnerability that you want to have. Um, And and I use mindfulness to sort of cultivate that. So that's kind of what trust means to me. It's about trusting in the decisions that I make that are the right decisions at that time. Mm -hmm. And that's all I can do is make the decisions that feel right for me at that time and that feels right inside.
0: How does it come up with the people that you work with?
1: Um, it comes up, it's one of the, the, the mindfulness principles that you go through on the programme when you do the sort of the eight-week program. People sometimes touch on the fact that they really struggle to trust their decisions, especially if you're somebody who um likes control quite a bit potentially, and um want to know that the decision you make is the right outcome, you know. So with that, sometimes people get a little bit caught up in what trust is and then looking at what everybody else is doing and trusting in that decision but it's about knowing what's going on around you and then just making a decision that you feel comfortable that's right for you but it does definitely come up in the sessions quite often it's like sometimes people have forgotten how to trust themselves and be okay with the decision they make or at that time and not beat themselves up about it if it's not the right decision at that time in your life whatever that may be
0: so why don't we trust ourselves
1: oh, why don't we trust ourselves? There's a number of factors. It can be, you know, how you've been brought up. It can be relationships that you've had. So there's not, I I couldn't turn around and say, well, this is why you don't trust yourself. Because the whole premise of mindfulness is for you to figure out why you don't trust yourself uh, through the various reasons um, that I've given. So it's all about you knowing what trust looks like for you and not what trust looks like that everybody else tells you, you know, what it is.
0: So it's a pretty subjective thing then?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. You know, I would definitely say that as long as I am, you know, open and confident about the decision that I make today at this particular moment, and know that I've made it by using being curious and, you know, being open... And making that decision or trusting in the way that I, I want to do something, then I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that but I definitely feel like when I'm when people are just on the, the treadmill of life making decisions all the time and you know they make some maybe some poor decisions that they feel they've made that they've spent so much time beating themselves up about those decisions that they then worry about the future decisions and that's where obviously our anxiety and our stress comes into play. When we start to worry about what we want to do, you know, do I trust in what I want to do next, etc.? So I do I do think it is subjective. I don't think anybody can say, it's this, because it's a feeling. Yeah. If you trust me or I trust you or I trust the situation, it's how something makes you feel. Uh, and that's trust is built up. I see trust being built up over a series of moments. Um, it's not just like, oh, I trust that now and that's it. You know, if you have a conversation with someone and you start to connect with someone, it's part of a, a journey if it's to do with someone else. And it's the same with yourself. You start to trust yourself, you've got to give yourself that compassion to, um, you know, make decisions that you think, oh, that didn't
0: go my way,
1: but that's okay, you know? It's been and okay.
0: Like with trust, like it's something we just expect to have. But when it comes to sort of building trust, whether it's in yourself, Um, Your choices the world around you obviously it's all it's subjective in terms of how it feels but are there steps that people can take to become more trusting and more confident in themselves so that they can trust
1: yeah I definitely think um, I think when I talk about how to trust yourself I feel like there are some questions we have to ask ourselves first and foremost around what why is it that we don't trust ourselves. What is it that, how, how how significant is that? Do you have the ability to trust yourself? So I, typically I give people like the steps of, you know, like a change step. What does trust look like to you? You know, can you visualize what trust looks like to you? Um, can you paint the picture? You know, can you be really clear as to what does trust look like for yourself and where is it not playing out? And then I normally take people just through a bit of a journey of, okay, so if you were to grade yourself from one to five, where are you on your trust journey? And you might go, well, you know, I trust myself like a number two, number three out of five. I feel like I'm fairly trusting, you know, and then I'll probably ask, okay, well, where do you feel like the gaps are? When are the situations where you feel like trust isn't playing out? You know, and you might be like, well, you know, sometimes when I'm, having a conversation with someone who's more, I don't know, intelligent than me, I perceive to be more intelligent than me, I don't feel like I can trust, you know, or I don't feel like I can trust men or I can't feel, you know, whatever the scenario is, so you, you need to kind of be able to really articulate on down on paper what you feel like trust doesn't look like for you. So you can see the gap between what does my world of trust feel like and look like and where am I today? And am I projecting or am I seeing things for what it is? Am I taking previous scenarios and bringing it to the present? Mm. Or am I able to see that actually, like we did with the pen or what exercise that, that is actually where we are right now, not where we were? So I think steps that people can take, I mean, there is mindfulness practice that supports that. You, there's lots of mindfulness meditations where it helps help you with trust. But I always kind of really always want people to say, Because mindfulness can be so um, difficult to, to grasp for people, I try and make it tangible and go, if you want to improve trust, what does trust look like for you? Where are you seeing it not playing out? What's that rating look like for you? Is it really bad? I can't trust anybody every time. Is it one of those or is it like do trust or it's only certain certain arenas you might not trust i don't trust people in the workplace but i'm okay with my friends and family and then you need to dig into that why is it you're not trusting where are it playing out you've got to be able to play those scenarios in order for you to start to create your change journey i want to change something about myself
0: so there's no easy fix
1: (laughs) is there an easy fix for anything The (laughs) the only easy fix i have is when i have a twix in the cupboard, and I want to eat it, and I want a sugar rush, and it's there, and it's done. The, the effects of it not great, but I I don't see anything being an easy fix when it comes to wanting to change something about ourselves. It be, I think it becomes easier the more that you um, become more accepting of things about yourself. You're able to let go of things about yourself. You're able to move through the the the, the um the life much fluid. But if you're rigid in in things, if you're rigid in your judgments, if you're rigid in your how something should be, then it, it does make it really difficult. I see. I
0: think. I think there's. I often feel like there's a sense that we feel like if we're being compassionate with ourselves, we're letting ourselves off the hook. So how does that play out in terms of this kind of scenario? Letting ourselves off the hook. Um, compassion.
1: You know, you're being kind to yourself but you're also accepting sort of the difficulty of feeling with with what it is so I don't feel like it should be a case of like oh you know I'm just being compassionate to myself and that's all good and and then we, we move on it's actually you know understanding to what it feels like in that moment and to be able to sit okay with that because in order to change something about ourselves then we feel something and feel something can feel a bit difficult or more uncomfortable. So, you know, but being noticing that if something is difficult or uncomfortable, that we can be compassionate to ourselves within that discomfort. So I feel like that's kind of how we would talk about it or describe it more that, you, you know, letting yourself off the hook can sound like you're just detaching yourself and being sort of carefree. But what you're actually doing is really noticing, really observing, really knowing your attention and intention when that has played out, when we talk about it in, in the world that I see, that I ask people to do.
0: There's much more accountability.
1: Definitely more accountability.
0: And not and, and, I, and I think even sort of
1: the language that we use can just make it feel like we're giving ourselves a hard time, you know. Um, how am, I, am I being accountable for everything? You know, we use all this... This self-analysis language that we're just constantly on this measure ourselves, analyse ourselves. not supposed to go through our whole lives analysing everything we do in every, every moment. But what we can start to do is notice things about ourselves that we can move through with more intention, attention, know how easy it is to let go, know how easy it is to accept and not just be stuck in those states, you know?
0: Yeah. So, like rates of anxiety have shot up in the past few years, especially as a result of the pandemic. Anxiety is probably one of the biggest blocks to trust, I think. And what would you say to someone who, who feels like in the battle between trust and anxiety or trust and fear, it's anxiety and fear that wins every time for them?
1: yeah uh, I hear that because I've suffered from anxiety myself so you know um, it's really difficult when you're in those those states to make those decisions and I, as a, I, as someone who's a mindfulness teacher and not a medical expert it's really important to know when you need to go further in for example going to therapy if you need to explore that from an anxiety perspective so when I see it, when I see helping, people who suffer with anxiety or is to be able to understand you know how you can use your breath to the exercise that can help calm you and notice that um when you have panic it is for a moment and you're able to um, talk through that. I think when you have the tools to manage anxiety, especially like if you have panic attacks and things like that, when you have the tools to know that it's quite, I say it's quite powerful because when I have had panic attacks, I am able to use the breathing and sit in the panic attack with the breathing for a period of time Worrying because that's kind of what's spiraling in your mind. It's the worry of what you think is going to happen, the catastrophe, catastrophe that's going to happen off the back of the panic attack. Um, but I would say that if you if you suffer from sort of anxiety or um, and you want to trust yourself, then you've got to be able to have the tools, the the tools, the breathing tools to in order to get through that. At that at that point, it's not sort of um, something you can just you've got to recognize that's what you have if it's a condition that you have and you've got to have some tools to be able to help you with that whether that be mindfulness or meditation or physical exercise or whether you go deeper and understand what's causing that and and anxiety in itself um, it's just really important to be clear on what spectrum your anxiety sits at too
0: yeah so you've described the body as home when we last spoke can you tell me a bit more about that yeah um,
1: I feel like now when I say home when i come ho- you know come home to just sitting with myself, it's like a feeling a, a, a warm feeling inside because my, the house luckily my house is warm, but um it feels like everything's sort of connected in the home the brain the mind is connected to the body and then when I think about how it's connected to the body and everything that's kind of trying to work I notice then if things around my body doesn't work particularly well like it does in the homes if you have like a pipe work not working I feel like that's how it feels with my whole like physical body itself from the you know my when I have an ache in my back or, you know, I feel like, oh, there's a definitely a bit on the pipework here or that's feeling sort of not as strong and not happy, it's grumbly. So I'm able to create warmth in that area not jar it and try and pull away from the pain that sometimes I might get if it be backache or, you you know, or if you're feeling genuinely tired, whatever the, the ailment or thing that you're dealing with and know that it's part of a system, it's part of a whole system. So now because I'm more comfortable with how my mind works, how I think about things, if I am having, you know, the, the, if it's been a long time since I've had anxiety, which is great. But that whole, like, if you do have that sort of fight and flight response, that's all part of the system that's trying to do something, it's trying to regulate itself. And therefore, once you know that, you can push that beautiful oxygen air into that body and try and give it what it needs but if sometimes if we're detached, if we're running so busy in the mind and we're detached from the body, we might be trying to fix the mind, but we're just not attached, we're not able to really connect the two. So it's about how, for me, it's like I feel just in tune with, with everything that, that works around my mind and my, and my body, really.
0: I love that analogy. I get, like, a warm feeling here when you talk about coming home. That's really in my chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So... In terms like trusting is hard, and I think it takes for a lot of people, especially if there's been a, a breach of trust in the past, or it's just not something you've ever learned, it can feel like quite a big mountain to climb. So why should we do it? What, what do we lose if we don't trust? And what are the benefits of working on it, do you think?
1: Well, you, you, you pointed out that um, it can be really difficult, it can be, feel like a mountain to climb. And my view is you can climb the mountain if you just take one step at a time. And it's about trying to take something and make it a step at a time and not this, you know, oh my gosh, I've got all of this, I'm going to have to deal with. So I think the first thing is recognizing that to make a step is a step and rewarding yourself on a step when you're going to climb sort of on that mountain. The second thing you said was about um, why should I bother trusting? <laughs> um, it's a really interesting question because I can't imagine really not trusting or not wanting to trust. I think not wanting to trust can make us feel a bit lonely. I think it can maybe make us feel a bit isolated, not trusting being able to rely on someone or rely on ourselves. Um I think it would be, i probably break it down into how can you be in life without trusting anything. I mean, you trust that you're going to, that you hope the postman's going to come or you trust there's going to be food in the shop for you to go shopping. You've got to trust somebody to put that food in the shop, which means you've got to trust the delivery person. That's trust. So, you know, all of these things you may automatically trust in. Um... And then it's about how you start to trust in things that, as you say, have hurt you. Those closer relationships or situations where it has been a bit more heartfelt. So I think if we remember that we do trust in a lot of things in life, you trust that you go to the fuel station and that the fuel is there. Well, that's relying on somebody else, and that we're actually we're all interconnected. So I would probably pose the question: try and tr- not trust, really not trust, and you'll know what really not trusting is about. You would be able to survive most likely
0: so we you're saying that we actually all might be more trusting than we than we think we are
1: yeah because you rely on someone for something
0: yeah that's an interesting point actually everything
1: you do is you're relying on somebody you're relying on someone to do something for you to eat you're relying on someone
0: yeah so it's something that we all do quite naturally and it's not this big vulnerable thing which it often feels like yeah
1: and I think we also take that for granted that, that you know, well, I'm I'm moving, I'm getting on with what I need to get on with, I don't need anybody, I don't need anything. Once you recognise that actually when we get down to the real fundamentals of life, that's when you strip back into the simplicity, really think about can I survive without anyone really? And actually there's lots of things that we are already trusting in and I think it's about building on that. It's about building on, and yes, I do understand the bit where you think, well, if I've been in a relationship or something, or I've had a really hard time in a work situation with, you know, a, lead, a manager and, and stuff like that, how am I going to trust another manager again, or how am I going to trust another partner again, in, in whatever context that is, when they've done this to me? Once you try and help people know, you teach people that, is it done to you? It's them, but it's not you, you know? And a lot of the time we project that something, when it's something's bad done to us, it's, it's because it should have been done to us. And that's where control comes in as well.
0: Okay. Um, all right, so the, the thing I normally end with is to ask people to give me one note on vulnerability. So that can be the one thing that you want people to take away from our discussion today. Oh. oh, Why do you ask that question? Annie? It's the one thing. It's it the name of the podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> <Ta-da! clears throat>
1: don't underestimate yourself.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's that's concise. <laughs> that was not under-
1: yeah
0: yeah
1: don't underestimate yourself or what you feel like you can and can't do. I think I think it's within all of us if we're prepared to just take that step to go there. So don't underestimate yourself.
0: I love that. Well, thank you so much. This has been a really interesting discussion.
1: <laughs> no, thank you, Alex. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you uh, letting me come on today.
0: If you especially enjoyed this topic and would like to go deeper into how to take action on it, don't forget that you can hit the subscribe button to access all the additional tips, ideas and support. I'm a resilience coach and you can find me on Instagram at alexshorecoaching, S-H-O-R-E, or online at www.shaw-coaching.com. Notes on Vulnerability also has its own Instagram, at notesonvulnerability.